Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Whether it's the Cards versus the Cubs at Bush Stadium, the Jocks versus the Nerds in the high school cafeteria, or the Black Lives Matter protesters versus gun-toting homeowners in the Central West End, categorizing who is with us and who is against us, making judgments about who's in our tribe and who isn't, is clearly part of the everyday human story. We're also all familiar with the fact that this instinct to categorize who's in our tribe and who isn't has real consequences. You may recall the sting of exclusion from your adolescence. Many have witnessed the outsider in the office get marginalized, and we now live in a time when social media platforms exploit these natural instincts to print billions of dollars in revenue and give folks the chance to sow social discord from their couch. While these instincts are deeply rooted in our evolutionary story, they are clearly not the whole story of who we are. Those of us who walk in the way of Jesus know the whole story of who we are is bigger than our biology, our politics, our labels, and our tribes. Through God, through Christ, God is consistently inviting us into beloved community a community in which our instincts to categorize who is with us and who is against us fall away as we embrace our shared kinship as God's people. We find the image of God in all people, including those at the margins of our respective tribes, and yes, even with those folks who we may consider to be our enemies. The good news in today's gospel is that everyone has a seat at God's table in God's beloved community. In today's gospel, we also learn that God won't even let Jesus get in the way of the beloved community that God is building. Jesus shares our humanity, and when his tribal instincts need challenging, God is more than willing to do it with a, an amazingly resourceful mom from the margins of Jesus' world. When Jesus meets this mom, it's an uncomfortable exchange. It makes me uncomfortable every time I hear it. As this mom begs Jesus, to heal her daughter, Jesus replies, the children must be fed first. It isn't right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Jesus basically says, bug off. The healing I have to offer is intended for the children of Israel, my people, not people like you. The dogs Jesus is referring to are the Gentiles. Gentiles were unclean in the practice of Jewish life, they could literally impart impurity uh, to the Jews. Jesus' defense of this purity boundary is ironic, considering the confrontation Jesus just had over purity rules with the Pharisees at the beginning of this chapter of Mark's Gospel, which we all heard last week. As this chapter begins, Jesus is confronted by a delegation from the home office in Jerusalem, uh, these uh, religious authorities catch the disciples eating without ritually washing. They call Jesus out on the fact his disciples aren't living according to the purity rules that define the boundaries of what it means to be a Jew. 
Jesus uses their challenge to upend the distinctions between what is pure and impure when he declares, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing outside a person can enter and contaminate a person in God's sight. Rather, the things that come out of a person contaminate that person. Can you sense the irony in how Mark has written this chapter? Jesus begins the chapter by challenging the boundaries of convention, and a few verses later, he's defending purity boundaries by dismissing this mother. Let's take a closer look at this resourceful mom. God's called into action in today's gospel. Every parent prays they won't, their child won't face an illness that can't be addressed. While I'm speculating here, it seems this particular mom has exhausted her local options. She's made the rounds of healers in her community. She's tried the herbs and chants and prayers and charms that they had to offer. And her daughter is still plagued by the demon. She's at her wit's end when she hears of this Galilean Jew who everyone is talking about, this once-in-a-generation healer, has showed up in her town. Out of some combination of maternal love, desperation, faith in this Jesus, she crosses the boundaries of gender and culture as she falls at the feet of this healer and begs him to help her daughter to throw the demon out. Instead of being rebuffed by Jesus' derogatory comment, she artfully turns Jesus' words of rebuke into the rationale for why he should help her. Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Jesus, who knows the Spirit of God at work when he sees it, realizes this mom is absolutely right. Regardless of her social status, her leap of faith in who Jesus is and how he can heal will be rewarded. Jesus responds, Good answer, he said. Go on home. The demon has already left your daughter. As today's lesson continues, it's clear Jesus has embraced a more inclusive ministry when a group of friends, presumably Gentiles, bring Jesus their deaf and mute companion to be healed. Jesus doesn't think twice about helping this Gentile. In the story, we see these boundaries of clean and unclean surface again in a way that underscores how much the radically inclusive ministry of Jesus has been brought. Jesus healed the daughter of the Gentile mom at a distance, but he now heals this deaf man up close and personal, not only touching him, but using his spit to open the man's ears and to release the twisted tongue, enabling him to speak clearly. Through the healing of the Gentile mom's daughter and this deaf man, Jesus is witnessing to the fact that God's boundary-crossing love has invited the Gentiles into God's beloved community. The good news that everyone has a seat at God's table in God's beloved community is pretty extraordinary. The church, unfortunately, doesn't have a stellar reputation for demonstrating boundary-crossing love. So I thought I'd share a few other examples from Scripture where we see God's boundary-crossing love in action. Four examples came to mind pretty quickly. So in Matthew's uh, Gospel, we'll see the same story we heard today um, in the Gospel, and that's in chapter 15, 21 through 28. Uh, from Paul's letters that predate the Gospels, we have that famous radically inclusive verse uh, that comes from Galatians chapter 3, 
verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Jesus. John's gospel includes the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, and that's in John 4, 4 through 26. The story literally says Jews and Samaritans don't associate with each other. Nevertheless, Jesus recognizes that God is at work in her, so he reveals to her his identity as the Messiah, inviting her into God's beloved community so she can return home to share this good news with her family and all her companions. Finally, one of my favorites is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch from Acts 8, 26-40. The details of the story are really wonderful, but for today I'll simply note that the Spirit of God directs an apostle to a desolate place to baptize a person whose sexual identity and ethnicity put him at the farthest reaches of society. This Ethiopian wouldn't have been allowed to set foot on the temple grounds or participate in a religious ritual, let alone in one that confirmed his membership in God's beloved community. Despite the church's reputation, it seems clear God is consistently reminding us that the God's boundary-crossing love trumps our natural instincts to categorize. In God's beloved community, every last one of us has a seat at God's table. So what might we do with this good news? The first thing that comes to mind is to give thanks for the peace and joy that is ours to experience in trusting this good news and letting go of our instinct to categorize as well as to be categorized. The second thing that comes to mind is to let this peace and joy settle deep into our soul in ways that stop us from projecting our prejudices onto God. When our natural instincts to categorize mix with religion, we have a particularly sobering combination. Rachel Held Evans, in her book, Searching for Sunday, Loving, Leaving, and Finding the Church, reflects on this mix in the following way. Us religious types are really good at building walls and retreating to temples. We're good at making mountains out of our ideologies, obstructions out of our theologies, and hills out of our screwed-up notions of who's in and who's out, who's worthy and who's unworthy. Today's good news reminds us that we don't decide who sits at God's table in God's beloved community. God does. And those of you who are familiar with Holy Communion know that when Mike or Julie or Mark um, also remind us of this good news when they invite us to the communion table. You've heard them say, this table doesn't belong to us. It's not our table. It's not the Episcopal Church's table. It's God's table. At God's table, all people are welcome. Whoever you are, wherever you find yourself on the journey of faith, you're welcome to receive the bread and wine made holy. Welcome to participate in all that we do. My final suggestion for what we might do with today's gospel and the good news is to make a renewed commitment to living in ways that build beloved community. Living this way requires nothing more than deciding to build genuine relationships with folks that are outside the boundaries of our core family and our core group of friends. Given our instincts to categorize run pretty deep, these folks may seem like strangers at first, but they won't be for long. 
It starts with simple things like getting to know people's names, asking them to share their stories, and sharing our own stories. In time, it's only natural uh, that these relationships, as they deepen, our differences will start to surface. These differences could be over something in the headlines, or they could be something particular to our relationship. But differences will surface. When they do, they will surface between individuals who've gotten to know each other, who've shared their stories. As a result, it's unlikely that we're going to find ourselves in a heated debate. I think we're more likely to find ourselves in a sacred conversation. I say sacred because the good news in today's gospel reminds us that, in spite of our differences, we all have a seat at God's table. Whatever our differences may be, we have something sacred in common that allows us eventually to be honest and to share the anxiety or hurt or fear or hope that lies behind our respective differences. Allowing our differences to surface and speaking our truth with love as we listen to the truth others speak with open hearts transforms these relationships into the stuff of beloved community. The roots of this transformation go back to the simple intention decision to build genuine relationships with some folks who were initially strangers. Having taken that risk and trusting in today's good news, we find these relationships giving us the chance to share in God's beloved community firsthand in the here and now. Thanks be to God who makes this so. Amen.